Let me hear from God's word in Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. And the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locust and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel. That I am the Lord your God. And that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Thanks be to God for his word. How appropriate to be looking at Joel chapter 2, given the amount of rain we've had out of these past few weeks. Joel prophesies abundant rain. The autumn rains, abundant showers, the early rain, the late rain, plenty of downpours. We've had those. Not quite a month's worth of rain yesterday, as predicted, but some of us are grateful for that. I tell you, even the gardeners among us are getting fed up with it. And that's saying something. And it can't have been easy for the farmers getting the crops in in these recent weeks. But for Joel, this quantity of rain is great news. In a hot, dry climate, you can never have too much rain. And for Joel, abundant rain means an abundant harvest. The threshing floors filled to overflowing with grain. The vats filled to overflowing with new wine and with oil. The harvest will be bountiful, more than enough for everybody. And that needed to happen after the years that have gone before. The drought, the shortages, the times when the harvest was devastated year after year by plague upon plague of locusts, stripping the land bare, leaving the people hungry and destitute. And the Lord says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Now, for the first time in a long time, you will have more than enough to eat. 
You won't have to eke out your supplies and go hungry just in order to survive the year. You will be able to eat until you're full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Sense of failure, sense of shame, sense of disgrace of all the preceding years will be gone. And God for good. Gone for good. And God promises his people that they will know that the Lord their God is the only God. And he is right in their midst. Right among them. In the centre of their life together. Not on the fringe, not at arm's length, not keeping his distance, but glad to be fully present among his people. When God is in the midst of his people, it means all is well. And that's God's desire, that's God's longing to be at the centre of his people's life. That reference to God being with his people in our midst may remind you of that passage from Zephaniah chapter 3, which was a key scripture for us the other year. There the Lord says to his people, the King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. And those promises remain as true for us now as they were a couple of years ago. Don't lose sight of them. We celebrate the presence of the Lord who is right here with us in our midst. Here with us as we gather to worship Sunday by Sunday. With us as we go about the work of his kingdom Monday to Friday. With us in our homes at the weekends and the evenings. Put simply, the Lord being in our midst is the key to everything. It's absolutely crucial to our identity. It's absolutely crucial to our mission, to how we live and what we do. To who we are. And then there's the accompanying promise that the Lord will pour out his spirit on all people, men and women, young and old. It's tempting to see a degree of correspondence between this outpouring of God's spirit upon his people and the downpours of rain that the Lord promises to his chapter a few verses earlier. And there is a sense in which the deluge of rain is a great picture of God pouring out his spirit on people from on high. When you've looked out the windows and just seen it pouring down like a power shower, I pray, God, pour out your spirit on your people like that. Just in such an abundance. The downpour of rain prefigures the outpouring of God's spirit. And the material blessing brought to God's people by the abundance of rain presages the spiritual blessings given by God to his people when they receive his spirit in abundance. I don't think there's any doubt that Joel perceived a metaphorical significance in the rain when it came. Not just a matter of bumper harvests. The rainfall would be a conclusive sign that God was in the midst of his people. And right at the beginning of this section of the prophecy, in Joel 2.22, he tells the people, the Lord has given them the autumn rain in righteousness. Other translations say, God has given the autumn rain for your vindication. Or for your righteousness. The rain coming is a sign that God and his people are on a right footing with each other. Whatever might have been wrong in the past, it's been dealt with. God has sorted it. And now everything is straight and all right between them. 
And more than this, the rain serves as a sign that God is in the midst of his people. And the outpouring of God's spirit on all flesh gives tangible expression to that. How can we tell whether the Lord is among his people? How do we recognise that if God is in our midst? How do we see whether God has poured out his spirit upon us? For Joel, the outpouring of God's spirit means that everyone will prophesy. People will have dreams or see visions, depending on how old or young they are. Prophecies, dreams, visions, these are all tried and tested means by which God communicates to his people. The different ways in which people hear from God means God is talking, God is showing people things. They are listening, their eyes are open, they are attentive. And it doesn't have to be prophecy or dreams or visions. Sometimes it's a matter of a prompting. That sense, this, this, is, this is what I've got to do. I've got to talk to this person. I need to go here or do this. Sometimes it's a matter of receiving a message. I think I need to tell so-and-so this or that. But it's this communication between God and his people that is a sign of a living, real, vital relationship. If we're not hearing from God... If God isn't speaking, if God isn't showing us things, if God isn't guiding us, then we're not in touch with God. A real relationship entails communication. When God pours out his spirit, it's like the the doors of communication are opened. And God speaks and people hear. God gives pictures and people see. The communication is vital and alive and the relationship is vital and alive. Because without communication, any relationship is going nowhere fast if indeed any kind of relationship exists at all. So God says, I will pour out my spirit and people will prophesy, they will speak my word, they will see visions, they will dream dreams, they will be in touch with me and hearing and seeing what I am saying and doing what I want them to do. So figure this out. If you're a Christian, then the defining mark of a Christian is that God's spirit is in you. That's what marks Christians out from non-Christians. It's not believing in God, it's not attending church, it's not saying your prayers. It is the presence of God's Spirit that is the defining hallmark of people who belong to Jesus Christ. <coughs> and if God's Spirit is within you, then God is going to want to communicate, to communicate with you by His Spirit. And that might be by a dream, might be by a picture might be some kind of verbal message that can be put into words, might be a prompting that you ought to follow this or that course of action, that you ought to get in touch with so-and-so, or or this is how you should spend your day, God putting you in the right place at the right time, in the right frame of mind to do whatever it is it is he has in mind for you to do, to be there for whoever it is he wants to reach through you. Sometimes it's a moment of clarity that comes after a time of prayer. Yes that the fog is clearing and I can see just a little bit of what should be happening now. Sometimes it's a word of scripture that jumps out of the Bible which you feel is absolutely just for you. That the poor old preacher at the front has no idea what he's saying and how that communicates to you. But oh my word, that was a word for me. Bottom line is, one of the key reasons why God gives you his spirit is so that he can communicate with you. Bottom line is, are we listening then? 
Are we opening the Bible and reading it? Are we praying? Are we attending church? Are we putting ourselves in the right place to hear what God is saying? And if God seems to have gone quiet, then are we saying, Lord, give me your spirit. I want to see you again. I want to hear from you again. I want to get back in touch with you again. I want this living, vital relationship that you have said you want with me. Lord, rekindle the flame again because I feel distant and that's not where you want me to be. Incidentally, God pouring out his spirit on everyone means, of course, that the person at the front doesn't have a monopoly on speaking on God's behalf. I always hope and pray for a prophetic element to my sermons when I'm preaching that God will speak through me in relevant and powerful and sometimes unexpected ways into people's hearts. But the reality is that if you have the Spirit of God, then God can speak through you. Not just through the person who's on the platform. That's why we have church meetings. Because we're not the kind of church where Michael and I, as the ministers and leaders, act as God mouthpiece, telling everybody else what to do. That's not how it works here. Because we all have a responsibility to be open, to listen to God, to weigh what is said, to receive what God is saying through any one of us, to any one of us, or all of us together. And for that to work collectively, it takes humility, openness, discernment, and a sense of expectation that God can and does speak to his people. Because God has said he will pour out his spirit on everybody, without discrimination as to, to sex or age. And it means that we need to be people of prayer. And that our prayers are not just one-way channels of communication where we speak and set out what we want and God listens. Part of our praying is to ask, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Lord, what do you want to say through me today? Lord, what do you want to do in my life today? And that's all part and parcel of living our lives together as God's people, indwelt by God's Spirit. Please don't make the mistake of thinking that prophecy is a matter of someone standing at the front speaking with divine authority, saying, Thus says the Lord. That's to equate the content of the message with the manner in which it is delivered. Just because someone stands up and speaks with an air of authority doesn't mean they are speaking on God's behalf. Don't dismiss the person who quietly says that I feel God has laid this on my heart. Or the person who says, I I wonder whether perhaps God might be saying this to us or to you in this situation. Because the authority of God lies not in the manner in which people speak, it lies in the content of what they say. Does it come from the Spirit of God or not? And every message needs sifting and weighing. The clarity of what God wants to say and do is always clouded by our own emotions and prejudices and our own hidden agendas. That's why we need humility. That's why we need discernment. 
And actually, for me, that's why the conversations that we have with each other before and after the services are a vital part of what goes on here in church. Now, I know that some of us are just chatting about the weather, or the football, or the rugby, especially the rugby. And none of those subjects are off limits in church. But there will be times as well where we're talking about stuff that matters. Personal stuff. Spiritual stuff. We're listening carefully to each other. We're being open with each other. We're, we're sharing together personal things. We're listening carefully. And we're speaking words of truth and love and encouragement and support that build each other up. And in those conversations... The Spirit of God is at work. It's all part of God living in our midst, working among us all, expressing his will and his desire and his grace and his love and his faithfulness through our conversations with each other. And when that happens, people get saved. God says he pours out his Spirit on his servants. He also says he will show wonders in heavens and the earth And all that looks a bit grim. Blood, fire, pillars of smoke, the sun turning black, the moon turning blood red before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. It is a picture of fearful, dreadful chaos and uncertainty everywhere, except in one place, on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. Why? Because that's where the Lord is. In the midst of his people. That's the place where people will escape to. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord there will be saved. And in uncertain chaotic days, our calling as a body of people is to be a place of safety, a place of refuge, A place of salvation. And we can only do that if God is in our midst. And if God is speaking through us as we share together. And as the idols to which so many people have devoted their lives are increasingly exposed as hollow shams. And people start to look around for something that is real and vital and relevant. Something on which they can base their lives. God's people will be there. With the Lord our God in our midst. People who know and share God's truth because we have received and live by the Spirit of God. And we're open to what God wants to say to us and through us. I suspect that we are all united in a desire to see this church grow in the months that lie ahead. Otherwise, why else would we have called Michael? It's part of our vision, actually, for him to equip us to be better at sharing the good news with others. It is our hope and our expectation. And not to grow through people joining us because they enjoy the worship, good as it may be, the preaching, good as that, as that sometimes might be, not because they enjoy our company, wonderful though we are, What we want is people joining this church because they recognise that the living God is right here 
in our midst. And it is the Lord our God who works wonders in the lives of his people. So before we start to pray for growth, we need to be people who pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit upon us, in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our words, because that is the only thing that will make our ministry and witness fruitful. And if we want want people who come here to find God in our midst, then that's only going to happen if we are people who are devoted to the living God in our hearts and pray for the filling of his spirit in our lives. In short, we need to be people who pray. We need to be people who engage with God. We need to be people who delight in being in God's presence. People who listen for what God is saying so that we have something to pass on to others. We need to be people who cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, pour out the Spirit on us today. And where we see our own lack or our own inadequacy or our own failing or our own shortcoming, then we turn to God and say, Lord, we are not the people we know you would have us be. But would you change us? Would you make us people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for your kingdom, for your spirit, for clear signs that you are in our midst, so that it's apparent to us and to anyone that however many of us gather here on a Sunday, the most important thing is God is here. He's in our midst. He's speaking. He's working as we submit our lives to him and open our hearts to his spirit to work in and through us for his glory. So let's pray.